chapter thirty nine of the ordeal of richard feverel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the ordeal of richard feverel by george meredith chapter thirty nine at a season when the pleasant southwestern island has few attractions to other than invalids and hermits enamoured of wind and rain the potent nobleman lord mountfalcon still lingered there to the disgust of his friends and special parasite mounts in for it again they said among themselves hang the women was a natural sequence for don't you see what a shame it was of the women to be always kindling such a very inflammable subject all understood that cupid had twanged his bow and transfixed a peer of britain for the fiftieth time but none would perceive though he vouched for it with his most eloquent oaths that this was a totally different case from the antecedent ones so it had been sworn to them too frequently before he was as a man with mighty tidings and no language intensely communicative but inarticulate good round oaths had formerly compassed and expounded his noble emotions they were now quite beyond the comprehension of blasphemy even when emphasized and by this the poor lord divinely felt the case was different there is something impressive in a great human hulk writhing under the unutterable torments of a mastery he cannot contend with or account for or explain by means of intelligible words at first he took refuge in the depths of his contempt for women cupid gave him line when he had come to vent his worst of them the fair face now stamped on his brain beamed the more triumphantly so the harpooned whale rose to the surface and after a few convulsions surrendered his huge length my lord was in love with richard's young wife he gave proofs of it by bearing himself beside her to her could she have seen it he gave further proofs of a real devotion in affecting and in her presence feeling nothing beyond a lively interest in her well-being this wonder that when near her he should be cool and composed and when away from her wrapped in a tempest of desires was matter for what powers of cogitation the heavy nobleman possessed the honourable peter tired of his journeys to and fro urged him to press the business lord mountfalcon was wiser or more scrupulous than his parasite almost every evening he saw lucy the inexperienced little wife apprehended no harm in his visits moreover richard had commended her to the care of lord mountfalcon and lady judith lady judith had left the island for london lord mountfalcon remained there could be no harm if she had ever thought so she no longer did secretly perhaps she was flattered lord mountfalcon was as well educated as it is the fortune of the run of titled elder sons to be he could talk and instruct he was a lord and he let her understand that he was wicked very wicked and that she improved him the heroine in common with the hero has her ambition to be of use in the world to do some good and the task of reclaiming a bad man 
is extremely seductive to good women dear to their tender bosoms as old china is a bad man they are mending lord mount falcon had none of the arts of a libertine his gold his title and his person had hitherto preserved him from having longed to sigh in vain or sigh at all possibly the honourable peter did his villainies for him no alarm was given to lucy's pure instinct as might have been the case had my lord been over adept it was nice in her martyrdom to have a true friend to support her and really to be able to do something for that friend too simple-minded to think much of his lordship's position she was yet a woman he a great nobleman does not scorn to acknowledge me and think something of me may have been one of the half-thoughts passing through her now and then as she reflected in self-defence on the proud family she had married into january was watering and freezing old earth by turns when the honourable peter travelled down to the son of his purse with great news he had no sooner broached his lordship's immediate weakness than mount falcon began to plunge like a heavy dragoon in difficulties he swore by this and that he had come across an angel for his sins and would do her no hurt the next moment he swore she must be his though she cursed like a cat his lordship's illustrations were not choice i haven't advanced an inch he groaned braider upon my soul that little woman could do anything with me by heaven i'd marry her to-morrow here i am seeing her every day in the week out or in and what do you think she gets me to talk about history isn't it enough to make a fellow mad and there am i lecturing like a prig and by heaven while i'm at it i feel a pleasure in it and when i leave the house i should feel an immense gratification in shooting somebody what do they say in town not much said braider significantly when's that fellow her husband coming down i rather hope we've settled him for life mount nobleman and parasite exchanged looks how do you mean braider hummed an air and broke it to say he's in for don juan at a gallop that's all the deuce has bella got him mount falcon asked with eagerness braider handed my lord a letter it was dated from the sussex coast signed richard and was worded thus my beautiful devil since we're both devils together and have found each other out come to me at once or i shall be going somewhere in a hurry come my bright hell star i ran away from you and now i ask you to come to me you have taught me how devils love and i can't do without you come an hour after you receive this mount falcon turned over the letter to see if there was any more complimentary love epistle he remarked and rising from his chair and strutting about muttered the dog how infamously he treats his wife very bad said Brader how did you get hold of this strolled into bell's dressing-room waiting for her turned over her pin-cushion haphazard you know her trick by jove i think that girl does it on purpose thank heaven i haven't written her any letters for an age is she going to him not she but it's odd mount did you ever know her refuse money before she tore up the cheque in style and presented me the fragments with two or three of the delicacies of language she learnt at your academy i rather like to hear a woman swear it embellishes her mount falcon took counsel of his parasite as to the end the letter could be made to serve both conscientiously agreed that richard's behaviour to his wife was infamous and that he at least deserved no mercy but said his lordship it won't do to show the letter at first she'll be swearing it's false and then she'll stick to him closer i know the sluts the rule of contrary said braider carelessly she must see the transition with her eyes they believe their eyes there's your chance mount you step in you give her revenge and consolation two birds at one shot that's what they like you're an ass braider the nobleman exclaimed 
you're an infernal blackguard you talk of this little woman as if she and other women were all of a piece i don't see anything i gained by this confounded letter her husband's a brute that's clear will you leave it to me mount be damned before i do muttered my lord thank you now see how this will end you're too soft mount you'll be made a fool of i tell you brader there's nothing to be done if i carry her off i've been on the point of doing it every day what'll come of that she'll look i can't stand her eyes i shall be a fool worse off with her than i am now mount falcon yawned despondently and what do you think he pursued isn't it enough to make a fellow gnash his teeth she's he mentioned something in an underbreath and turned red as he said it hm brader put up his mouth and wrapped the handle of his cane on his chin that's disagreeable mount you don't exactly want to act in that character you haven't got a diploma bother do you think i love her a bit less broke out my lord in a frenzy by heaven i'd read to her by her bedside and talk that infernal history to her if it pleased her all day and all night you're evidently graduating for a midwife mount the nobleman appeared silently to accept the imputation what do they say in town he asked again brader said the sole question was whether it was maid wife or widow i'll go to her this evening mount falcon resumed after to judge by the cast of his face reflecting deeply i'll go to her this evening she shall know what infernal torment she makes me suffer you mean to say she don't know it hasn't an idea thinks me a friend and so by heaven i'll be to her ahem went the honourable peter this way to the sign of the green man ladies do you want to be pitched out of the window brader once was enough mount the salvage man is strong i may have forgotten the trick of alighting on my feet there there i'll be sworn she's excessively innocent and thinks you a disinterested friend i'll go to her this evening mount falcon repeated she shall know what damned misery it is to see her in such a position i can't hold out any longer deceit's horrible to such a girl as that i'd rather have her cursing me than speaking and looking as she does dear little girl she's only a child you haven't an idea how sensible that little woman is have you inquired the cunning one my belief is brader that there are angels among women said mount falcon evading his parasite's eye as he spoke to the world lord mount falcon was the thoroughly wicked man his parasite simply ingeniously dissipated for many a man of god had thought it the easier task to reclaim the honourable peter lucy received her noble friend by firelight that evening and sat much in the shade she offered to have the candles brought in he begged her to allow the room to remain as it was i have something to say to you he observed with a certain solemnity yes to me said lucy quickly lord mount falcon knew he had a great deal to say but how to say it and what it exactly was he did not know you conceal it admirably he began but you must be very lonely here i fear unhappy i should have been lonely but for your kindness my lord said lucy i am not unhappy her face was in shade and could not belie her is there any help that one who would really be your friend might give you mrs Feverel? none indeed that i know of lucy replied who can help us to pay for our sins at least you may permit me to endeavour to pay my debts since you have helped me to wash out some of my sins ah my lord said lucy not displeased it is sweet for a woman to believe she has drawn the serpent's teeth i tell you the truth lord mount falcon went on what object could i have in deceiving you i know you quite above flattery so different from other women oh pray do not say that interposed lucy according to my experience then but you say you have met such such very bad women i have and now that i meet a good one it is my misfortune your misfortune lord mount falcon yes and i might say more his lordship held impressively mute how strange men are thought lucy he has some unhappy secret 
tom bakewell who had a habit of coming into the room on various pretences during the nobleman's visits put a stop to the revelation if his lordship intended to make any when they were alone again lucy said smiling do you know i am always ashamed to ask you to begin to read mount falcon stared to read oh ha yes he remembered his evening duties very happy i am sure let me see where were we the life of the emperor julian but indeed i feel quite ashamed to ask you to read my lord it's new to me like a new world hearing about emperors and armies and things that really have been on the earth we walk upon it fills my mind but it must have ceased to interest you and i was thinking that i would not tease you any more your pleasure is mine mrs feverell upon my honour i'd read till i was hoarse to hear your remarks are you laughing at me do i look so lord mount falcon had fine full eyes and by merely dropping the lids he could appear to endow them with mental expression no you are not said lucy i must thank you for your forbearance the nobleman went on his honour loudly now it was an object of lucy's to have him reading for his sake for her sake and for somebody else's sake which somebody else was probably considered first in the matter when he was reading to her he seemed to be legitimizing his presence there and though she had no doubts or suspicions whatever she was easier in her heart while she had him employed in that office so she rose to fetch the book laid it open on the table at his lordship's elbow and quietly waited to ring for candles when he should be willing to commence that evening lord mount falcon could not get himself up to the farce and he felt a pity for the strangely innocent unprotected child with anguish hanging over her that withheld the words he wanted to speak or insinuate he sat silent and did nothing what i do not like him for said lucy meditatively is his changing his religion he would have been such a hero but for that i could have loved him who is it you could have loved mrs feverell lord mount falcon asked the emperor julian oh the emperor julian well he was an apostate but then you know he meant what he was about he didn't even do it for a woman for a woman cried lucy what man would for a woman i would you lord mount falcon yes i'd turn catholic to-morrow you make me very unhappy if you say that my lord then i'll unsay it lucy slightly shuddered she put her hand upon the bell to ring for lights do you reject a convert mrs feverell said the nobleman oh yes yes i do one who does not give his conscience i would not have if he gives his heart and body can he give more lucy's hand pressed the bell she did not like the doubtful light with one who was so unscrupulous lord mount falcon had never spoken in this way before he spoke better too she missed the aristocratic twang in his voice and the hesitation for words and the fluid lordliness with which he rolled over difficulties in speech simultaneously with the sounding of the bell the door opened and presented tom bakewell there was a double knock at the same instant at the street door lucy delayed to give orders can it be a letter tom so late she said changing colour pray run and see that aunt paust tom remarked as he obeyed his mistress are you very anxious for a letter mrs feverell lord mount falcon inquired oh no yes i am very said lucy her quick ear caught the tones of a voice she remembered that dear old thing has come to see me she cried starting up tom ushered a bunch of black satin into the room mrs barry said lucy running up to her and kissing her me my darlin mrs barry breathless and rosy with her journey returned the salute me truly it is in fault of a better for i ain't one to stand by and give the devil his license roman and the salt sure enough to have spilt my bride gown at the beginning which ain't the best sign bless ye oh here he is she beheld a male figure in a chair by the half-light and swung around to address him 
you bad man she held aloft one of her fat fingers i've come on ye like a bolt i have and goin to make ye do your duty naughty boy but you're my darlin babe she melted as was her custom and i'll never meet you and not give to ye the kiss of a mother before lord mount falcon could find time to expostulate the soft woman had him by the neck and was down among his luxurious whiskers ha she gave a smothered shriek and fell back what hair's that tom bakewell just then illumined via transaction oh my gracious mrs berry breathed with horror i've been and kiss a strange man lucy half laughing but in dreadful concern begged the noble lord to excuse the woeful mistake extremely flattered highly favoured i'm sure said his lordship rearranging his disconcerted moustache may i beg the pleasure of an introduction my husband's dear old nurse mrs berry said lucy taking her hand to lend her countenance lord mount falcon mrs berry mrs berry sought grace while she performed a series of apologetic bobs and wiped the perspiration from her forehead lucy put it into a chair lord mount falcon asked for an account of her passage over to the island receiving distressingly full particulars by which it was revealed that the softness of her heart was only equalled by the weakness of her stomach the recital calmed mrs berry down well and where's my where's mr richard your husband my dear mrs berry turned from her tale to question did you expect to see him here said lucy in a broken voice and where else my love since he haven't been seen in london a whole fortnight lucy did not speak we will dismiss the emperor julian till to-morrow i think said lord mount falcon rising and bowing lucy gave him her hand with mute thanks he touched it distantly embraced mrs berry in a farewell bow and was shown out of the house by tom bakewell the moment he was gone mrs berry threw up her arms did ye ever know sich a horrid thing to go and happen to a virtuous woman she exclaimed i could cry at it i could to be goin and kissin a strange hairy man oh dear me what's comin next i wonder whiskers thinks i for i know the touch of whiskers tain't like other hair what have he growed a crop that sudden i says to myself and it flashed on me i been and made a awful mistake and the lights come in and i see that great hairy man beggin his pardon noble man and if i could a drop through the floor out o sight o men drat em they're always in the way that they are mrs berry lucy checked her did you expect to find him here askin that solemn retorted berry what him your husband a course i did and you got him somewheres hid i've not heard from my husband for fifteen days said lucy and her tears rolled heavily off her cheeks not hear from him fifteen days berry echoed oh mrs berry dear kind mrs berry have you no news nothing to tell me i've borne it so long they're cruel to me mrs berry oh do you know if i have offended him my husband while he wrote i did not complain i could live on his letters for years but not to hear from him to think i have ruined him and that he repents do they want to take him from me do they want me dead oh mrs berry i've had no one to speak out my heart to you all this time and i cannot cannot help crying mrs berry mrs berry was inclined to be miserable at what she heard from lucy's lips and she was herself full of dire apprehension but it was never this excellent creature's system to be miserable in company the sight of a sorrow that was not positive and could not refer to proof set her resolutely the other way fiddle-faddle she said i'd like to see him repent he won't find anywheres a beauty like his own dear little wife and he knoweth now look ye here my dear you blessed weepin pet the man that could see ye with that hair of yours there in ruins and he backed by the law and not rush into your arms and hold ye squeezed for life he ain't got much man in him i say and no one can say that of my babe i was saying look here to comfort ye oh why to be sure he've got some surprise for ye and so i my lamb hark now 
his father's come to town like a good reasonable man at last to unite ye both and bring your bodies together as your hearts is for everlastin now ain't that news oh cried lucy that takes my last hope away i thought he had gone to his father she burst into fresh tears mrs berry paused disturbed belike he's travelling after him she suggested fifteen days mrs berry ah fifteen weeks my dear after see a, a man is that he's a regular meteor is sir austin feverell raynham abbey well so hark you here i says to myself that knows him for i did think my babe was in his natural nest i says the barnet ell never write for you both to come up and beg forgiveness so down i'll go and fetch you up for there was your mistake my dear ever to leave your husband to go away from ye one hour in a young marriage it's dangerous it's mad it's wrong and it's only to be righted by your obeying of me as i commands it for i has my fits though i am a softin obey me and you'll be happy to-morrow or the next to it lucy was willing to see comfort she was weary of her self-inflicted martyrdom and glad to give herself up to somebody else's guidance utterly but why does he not write to me mrs barry cause cause who can tell the why of men my dear but that he love ye faithful i'll swear haven't he groaned in my arms that he couldn't come to ye weak wretch hasn't he swore how he loved ye to me poor young man but this is your fault my sweet yes it be you should a followed my advice at the fust instead of goin into your heroics about this and t'other here mrs berry poured forth fresh sentences on matrimony pointed especially at young couples i should a been a fool if i hadn't suffered myself she confessed so i'll thank my berry if i makes you wise in season lucy smoothed her ruddy plump cheeks and gazed up affectionately into the soft woman's kind brown eyes endearing phrases passed from mouth to mouth and as she gazed lucy blushed as one who has something very secret to tell very sweet very strange but cannot quite bring herself to speak it well there's three men in my life i kissed said mrs berry too much absorbed in her extraordinary adventure to notice the young wife's struggling bosom three men and one a nobleman he've got more whiskers than my berry i wonder what the man thought ten to one he'll think now i was glad of my chance they're that vain whether they's lords or commons how was i to know i natural thinks none but her husband would sit in that chair ha and in the dark and alone with ye mrs berry hardened her eyes and your husband away what do this mean tell to me child what it mean his being here alone without e'er a candle lord mount falcon is the only friend i have here said lucy he is very kind he comes almost every evening lord mount falcon that is name mrs berry exclaimed i've been that flurried by the man i didn't mind it at first he come every evening and your husband out of sight my goodness me it's getting worse and worse and what do he come for now ma'am now tell me candid what ye do together here in the dark of an evening mrs berry glanced severely oh mrs berry please not to speak in that way i don't like it said lucy pouting what do he come for i ask because he is kind mrs berry he sees me very lonely and wishes to amuse me and he tells me of things i know nothing about and and wants to be a teacher and some of his things mayhap mrs berry interrupted with a ruffled breast you are a very ungenerous suspicious naughty old woman said lucy chiding her and you're a silly unsuspecting little bird mrs berry retorted as she returned her taps on the cheek you haven't told me what ye do together and what's his excuse for comin well then mrs berry almost every evening that he comes we read history and he explains the battles and talks to me about the great men and he says i'm not silly mrs berry that's one bit of lime on your wings my bird history indeed history to a young married lovely woman alone in the dark a pretty history why i know that man's name my dear he's a notorious living rake that lord mont falcon no woman safe with him 
ah but he hasn't deceived me mrs berry he has not pretended he was good more's his art quoth the experienced dame so you read history together in the dark my dear i was unwell to-night mrs berry i wanted him not to see my face look there's the book open ready for him when the candles come in and now you dear kind darling old thing let me kiss you for coming to me i do love you talk of other things so we will said mrs berry softening to lucy's caresses so let us a nobleman indeed alone with a young wife in the dark and she sich a beauty i say this shall be put a stop to now and henceforth on a spot it shall he won't manoeuvre bessie berry with his arts there i drop him i'm dying for a cup of tea my dear lucy got up to ring the bell and as mrs berry incapable of quite dropping him was continuing to say let him go and boast i kiss him he ain't nothing to be shamed of in a chaste woman's kiss unawares which men don't get too often in their lives i can assure em her eye surveyed lucy's figure lo when lucy returned to her mrs berry surrounded her with her arms and drew her into feminine depths oh you blessed she cried in a most meaning tone you good lovin proper little wife you what is it mrs berry lisped lucy opening the most innocent blue eyes as if i couldn't see you pet it was my flurry blinded me or i'd a marked ye the fast shock thinkin to deceive me mrs berry's eyes spoke generations lucy's wavered she coloured all over and hid her face on the bounteous breast that mounted to her you're a sweet one murmured the soft woman patting her back and rocking her you're a rose you are and a bud on your stalk haven't told a word to your husband my dear she asked quickly lucy shook her head looking sly and shy that's right we'll give him a surprise let it come all at once on him and thinks he losing breath i'm a father nor a hint even you haven't give him lucy kissed her to indicate it was quite a secret oh you are a sweet one said bessie berry and rocked her more closely and lovingly then these two had a whispered conversation from which let all of male persuasion retire a space nothing under one mile returning after a due interval we see mrs berry counting on her fingers ends concluding the sum she cries prophetically now this right everything a baby in the balance now i say this angel infant come from on high it's god's messenger my love and it's not wrong to say so he thinks you worthy or you wouldn't a had one not for all the trotting in the world you wouldn't and some tries hard enough poor creatures now let us rejoice and make merry i'm for crying and laughing one and the same this is the blessed seal of matrimony which berry never stamp on me it's be hoped it's a boy make that man a grandfather and his grandchild a son and you got him safe oh this is what i call happiness and i'll have my tea a little stronger in consequence i declare i could get tipsy to know this joyful news so mrs berry caroled she had her tea a little stronger she ate and she drank she rejoiced and made merry the bliss of the chase was hers says lucy demurely now you know why i read history and that sort of books do i replies berry belike i do since what you duns so good my darlin i'm agreeable to anything a fig for all the lords they can't come anigh a baby you may read voyages and travels my dear and romances and tales of love and war you cut the riddle in your own dear way and that's all i cares for no but you don't understand persists lucy i only read sensible books and talk of serious things because i'm sure because i've heard say dear mrs berry don't you understand now mrs berry smacked her knees only to think of her being that thoughtful and she a catholic too never tell me that people of one religion ain't as good as another after that why you want to make him a historian to be sure and that rake of a lord who've been coming here playing at wolf you been and made him unbeknown to himself sort of tutor to the unborn blessed ha ha say that little women ain't got art equal to the cunningest of em 
oh i understand why to be sure didn't i know a lady a widow of a clergyman he was a postermost child and afore his birth that women read nothing but blair's grave over and over again from the end to the beginning that's a serious book very hard reading and at four years of age that child that come of it really was the piousest infant he was like a little curate his eyes was up he talked so solemn mrs berry imitated the little curate's appearance and manner of speaking so she got her wish for one but at this lady lucy laughed they chatted on happily till bedtime lucy arranged for mrs berry to sleep with her if it's not dreadful to ye my sweet sleepin beside a woman said mrs berry i know it were to me shortly after my berry and i felt it it don't somehow seem natural after matrimony a woman in your bed i was obliged to have somebody for the cold sheets do give ye the creeps when you've been used to that that's different upstairs they went together lucy not sharing these objections then lucy opened certain drawers and exhibited pretty caps and lace linen all adapted for a very small body all the work of her own hands and mrs berry praised them and her you've been guessing a boy woman-like she said then they cooed and kissed and undressed by the fire and knelt at the bedside with their arms about each other praying both praying for the unborn child and mrs berry pressed lucy's waist the moment she was about to breathe the petition to heaven to shield and bless that coming life and thereat lucy closed to her and felt a strong love for her then lucy got into bed first leaving berry to put out the light and before she did so berry leaned over her and eyed her roguishly saying i never see ye like this but i'm half in love with ye myself you blush in beauty sweet your eyes and your hair do take one so lying back i'd never forgive my father if he kept me away from ye four and twenty hours just husband of that berry pointed at the young wife's loveliness ye look so ripe with kisses and there they are a languishing you never look so but in your bed ye beauty just as it ought to be lucy had to pretend to rise to put out the light before berry would give up her amorous chaste soliloquy then they lay in bed and mrs berry fondled her and arranged for their departure to-morrow and reviewed richard's emotions when he came to hear he was going to be made a father by her and hinted at lucy's delicious shivers when richard was again in his rightful place which she bessie berry now usurped and all sorts of amorous sweet things enough to make one fancy the adage subverted that stolen fruits are sweetest she drew such glowing pictures of bliss within the law and the limits of the conscience till at last worn out lucy murmured peepy dear berry and the soft woman gradually ceased her chirp bessie berry did not sleep she lay thinking of the sweet brave heart beside her and listening to lucy's breath as it came and went squeezing the fair sleeper's hand now and then to ease her love as her reflections warmed a storm of wind came howling over the hampshire hills and sprang white foam on the water and shook the bare trees it passed leaving a thin cloth of snow on the wintry land the moon shone brilliantly berry heard the house dog bark his bark was savage and persistent she was roused by the noise by and by she fancied she heard a movement in the house then it seemed to her that the house door opened she cocked her ears and could almost make out voices in the midnight stillness she slipped from the bed locked and bolted the door of the room assured herself of lucy's unconsciousness and went on tiptoe to the window the trees all stood white to the north the ground glittered the cold was keen berry wrapped her fat arms across her bosom and peeped as close over into the garden as the situation of the window permitted berry was a soft not a timid woman and it happened this night that her thoughts were above the fears of the dark she was sure of the voices curiosity without a shade of alarm held her on the watch and gathering bundles of her day apparel round her neck and shoulders she silenced the chattering of her teeth as well as she could and remained stationary the low hum of the voices came to a break something was said in a louder tone the house door quietly shut a man walked out of the garden 
into the road he paused opposite her window and barry let the blind go back to its place and peeped from behind an edge of it he was in the shadow of the house so that it was impossible to discern much of his figure after some minutes he walked rapidly away and barry returned to the bed an icicle from which lucy's limbs sensitively shrank next morning mrs barry asked tom bakewell if he had been disturbed in the night tom the mysterious said he had slept like a top mrs barry went into the garden the snow was partially melted all save one spot just under the portal and there she saw the print of a man's foot by some strange guidance it occurred to her to go and find one of richard's boots she did so unperceived she measured the sole of the boot in that solitary footmark there could be no doubt that it fitted she tried it from heel to toe a dozen times End of chapter 39